You're listening to Biz Talk, and I'm your host, Jim Lobato. I was in a conversation the other day with a couple salespeople, and they were talking about how it's really changed out in the field and what's changed in terms of the attitude of their customers. And I said, well, what are your customers really saying out there? And they said, what they're hearing is there's freezing on spending until they're going to wait to see what happens. There's no budget. Uh, The economy is not good. Uh, Times are tough is what these people are feeding back to me. They're canceling orders and saving the funds to pay necessities. They're hoping for an uptick in the business come next quarter. There's uncertainty in their industry. Um, and I had a salesperson tell me they started, they're getting more questions about what's uh, going on in their organization. They want to know how they're doing and what they're hearing from the other customers and, and what's working with their other customers. And they've even told me that uh, some of their customers responding that they're doing great but holding back because they're not quite sure why they're doing great because they hear all this negative news. People are questioning their choices. They're reexamining what they're doing. They're even being asked what could they provide for their customers other than what they're normally already doing. So that's what salespeople are hearing out in the field. I've been through a few growth and stagnant economies, and one thing that I've learned that either you have an abundance mentality or a scarcity mentality. doesn't matter whether there's a recession going on or there's a boon economy going on. You can boil it down into those two things, which is basically a state of mind. Where the business is available is whether you think it is or not. When you listen to what is being said, you can group your customer and prospects into those two groups. Ones who believe there's enough business out there for them to be successful and ones that believe there is a scarcity of business. And for those two groups, you can actually separate them further into four segments. Those who have given up, those who have hope, those who are looking for answers, those who are doing well and are going to take advantage of the conditions. You can actually plot this out across the line. When people buy things, they tend to think this way. So on the left, you can put the word investment. Then go to your right and write the word price. And then to your far right, write the word cost. Investment, price, and cost, which is closely tied to the attitude that people have. To the left, investment, meaning they're positive. To the right, negative, which they view things as a cost. Under investment, you see the value or the return on the investment you're going to make. So you you will choose to invest. An example would be stocks. Now, maybe not right now, but under normal conditions. Under price, you have decided to buy because you feel you need it. And once you feel you need it, uh, all you got to do is negotiate on what the price is going to be. And in essence, that's what you do when you go out and buy an automobile. You know, I'm from the Midwest. I live in Iowa. Uh, an automobile is pretty much a necessity. So once you've decided you need that model, uh, after you made that decision, what's left to negotiate other than price? And then finally, cost. And cost is when you feel you have an obligation to buy and see what you're purchasing mainly as a commodity. For example, when that comes to a car, it would be insurance. You know you have to buy it. You're In our state, you're obligated by law to actually purchase the insurance. Therefore, it's a commodity and it doesn't really matter. So the question you ask is, what is that going to cost me? Now, here's how buyers think during a growth economy when the money is flowing and people are positive about their future. During these times when buyers have made the decision that they're moving ahead. Now, they may not have told you at this point that they're moving ahead, but they've made that decision. In their mind, they're saying, I'm going to buy. So when they say that, what do they say to themselves? What do I have left to negotiate? Well, price. So what can I beat you up on? Well, price. So how can I negotiate the price down further? 
That's what they think during a growth economy. But in a stagnant economy, buyers fed by fear, uncertainty, and doubt say to themselves, what's this going to cost me? They have moved from the left to the right, from investment through price right to cost. The funds are few, so they want to know what's it going to cost them. I had a client the other day recently purchased some things from me, but the conversation centered around cost. If I do this option, what's that going to cost me, he asked. If we do this other option, what's that going to cost? If I do the whole thing, what's the whole investment going to cost me? The whole thing centered around cost. What he was trying to do is justify the cost before he could see it as an investment. So you see, when the money is flowing in a growth economy, people are ready to invest. When it isn't, in a stagnant economy or recession, whatever you want to call it, they feel the need to justify the cost first and then move to investment. The stock market is a perfect example of this. When the money was flowing, everybody's ready to invest. Money not flowing, it's seen mainly as a cost. And in this case, probably the cost of losing something. So how has this changed the conversations you're having with your clients? You see, if they're talking different and you're still talking the same, you'll waste the opportunities you have in front of you because you're not going to sell them as much. In other words, if you're having the same conversations today in a stagnant economy that you had during a growth economy, you're not going to connect. Your conversation isn't going to be relevant. If you're not connecting, they're not listening. If they're not listening, they're not buying. So what have you consciously changed about the sales calls you're on to adjust to their conversations? The first thing you need to adjust is how you do your listing. I know each of us have the capacity to hear, but that's different than listening. Hearing is biological. You hear everything. You can close your eyes, but you cannot close your ears. Listening is a developed skill. What's the difference between listening and hearing? Listening is a conscious choice. It requires being focused, paying attention, and being non-judgmental in what's being said. I was on a sales call the other day, and I was hearing the prospect, but I was not listening. Now, how do I know that? How do you tell the difference between when you're listening and hearing? Well, it's, quite honestly, it's simple. When you get back in the car and you say to yourself, I should have said this, I could have done that, that's when you heard something, but you weren't listening. I mean, the reason that happens, and it happens to all of us, is because you get emotionally involved in the call. The prospect says something to you that gets you thinking. And when you're thinking to yourself, you're talking to yourself. And when you're talking to yourself, you're not listening to the prospect. You know, a sales call is like being on the interstate. You're in your car, and they're in their car, and you're pacing each other, and pacing each other's that conversation. So you're going down the road, and you're having this great conversation. And all of a sudden, they say or do something that gets you thinking. Now, what they say or do could be anything. What you're hearing right now is they have a freeze on spending. And they're going to wait to see what happens. There is no budget. The economy isn't good. Times are tough. It could be anything that they say or do. But the moment you hear that and you start thinking about what response you have, you're actually thinking to yourself and you're not listening. So you take an exit ramp. And while you take this exit ramp and you're talking to yourself, you're saying, well, how do I come back with it? What's the best answer? What's the best response? And you come up with that. You kind of strategize on the fly. You get back on the interstate, join the conversation. But what's the problem? The prospect is further down the road in the conversation than you are. They've already said things you've missed out on. So they're miles ahead of you, and you're no longer in this conversation. So now you're behind in the conversation. You don't know what to do. So the only thing you can do is go into follow-up mode. And in a stagnant economy, there's no such thing as follow-up. Either they are going to move ahead or they're not going to move ahead. It's pretty simple. 
So when you get back in the car, that's when you're brilliant. Because you say to yourself, I could have said this, I could have done that. The problem being brilliant back in the car is that it's just as effective as having a parachute that'll open on the first bounce. You see, we don't want you brilliant in the car. We want you brilliant in front of the client. So how do you stop being emotionally involved? How do you stay in the moment? Keep your listening ears on. Well, here's one way to do that. When you're out selling, you're in a selling mode. I want you to switch over to something else. What I want you to switch over to is your helping mode. See, selling is not necessarily helping. I have this affirmation I say to myself, which is, I'm only here today to help. And I will help only if I listen and seek to understand what they're trying to say. See, that'll keep your listening cap on, and it'll keep you in the listening mode. When you're in your selling mode, you're not listening because you're thinking about your products, your services, your next move, what the close is going to be, what you have to say. And there is a point in a sales call to do the selling, just not in the beginning. So the first step is to listen. Now, the next thing to understand is what are you listening for? See, most salespeople tell me that they're looking for pain. Let's go find the prospect's pain. The problem is that the term pain is mostly misunderstood. The definition of pain is the difference between where you're at now and your ideal state, the state you want to be in. If that's the definition of pain, then everybody's in pain today. Nobody's not affected by the economy that we're in. Even the super rich are being affected by this. So what you don't want to listen for are words like economy, the layoffs, the budget cuts, the spending freezes. You can't get caught up in what people are complaining about. If they're complaining about the economy, you know, join the ranks. Everybody's complaining about it. So don't get caught up in that stuff. Don't get caught up in the stuff that people are complaining about. So what you're listening for are opportunities, opportunities that are hidden in some of these problems. And everyone has problems today. The difference is which group does the person you're talking to who has the problem belong to? Remember those two groups we had, the abundance group and the scarcity group? And we broke them down further into four segments. Those who have given up, those who have hope, those who are looking for answers, and those who are doing well and are going to take advantage of the conditions. The first group, I would say, stay away from. They don't want to address their problems. They have chosen to sit on the sidelines in hopes of writing this one out. The other three would choose to address their problems if they saw opportunities in them. Have you ever worked on a problem, worked on a problem, worked on a problem, trying to get the answer and you can't get it solved? It's there staring you in the face day after day and you can't seem to come up with the answer? You're just too close to the problem. You can't see the opportunity that resides in there. Ever done that? Of course you have. Most people have done that. What makes you think that your customers are not any different than you are? We all have problems today. When they pile up, we tend to shut down. And we don't want to address them because they seem almost overwhelming. See, the first opportunity you have is the opportunity to listen to your customers and listen for the opportunities that reside in the problems because they're not seeing them, because they're so close to them. I was talking to an advertising salesperson the other day who said her customers are complaining. Uh-oh, problem alert. See, when people are complaining, problem alert, might be a problem here I can solve, might be an opportunity in that problem, and what they're complaining about traffic count being down. So I asked her if she could solve that problem. 
Could this salesperson, do they have a solution for that? She said, yes. I said, then go back to your customer and say to that business person, you know, business goes where it's invited, always has and always will. So what's your customer invitation plan? Do you have one? If not, isn't that the first thing we should be working on? Your plan and how you're going to invite more customers into your store? See, confidence comes from having a plan. Do you have one? You see, you need to wake people up and get them focused on the things that they can control like having a plan to attract more customers. So how do you have this opportunity-finding conversation with your customers? Well, have the next quarter conversation, meaning ask them, what would have to happen over the next quarter for you to feel good about your progress? Listen to what would have to happen and where you can help. But you can't stop the conversation there. You need to ask, as you look out over the next 90 days, What has you concerned about making progress towards this? What will get in your way? What are the roadblocks? See, these are the things that are keeping them up at night, and these are the things they need to be discussing because chances are they're not talking to anyone about them. And if you're not talking about them, you don't have a chance to solve them. So ask them that question, but you can't end the conversation there. You'll next have to discuss their strengths, the things they are doing that they can leverage. Chances are, again, they've not focused on these. So ask them, what do you do that is uniquely different from your competition? What I'm asking you is, why should I buy from you? But you can't end the conversation there. Next, you'll need to ask them about their opportunities. This may be a little difficult at first because most of them have been thinking about what they're losing, not what they could be gaining. There's always opportunities. Just in a stagnant economy, you have to look a little bit harder for them. Sometimes it's harder to look for those opportunities, but to look for them, first of all, you have to be talking about them. So to change their mindset, ask them this. If the roadblocks went away and we were to actually leverage most of your strengths, what could you take advantage of over the next quarter? In one of these next quarter conversations I had with a VP of sales the other day, I asked him, What would make you feel good about your progress over the next quarter? He said, having his salespeople open more new accounts. What are the roadblocks to that, I asked. He stated, the economy. And then I explained to him the economy is just a condition. It's just a state that we all are in. What is really preventing your people from seeing new prospects, I asked. And he stated, they don't know which new markets to call on. I then asked him what he felt differentiated themselves, what their strengths were. He said, well, we have no minimum order. We ship the next day, and we even customize your order to fit your specs. So there's no warehousing cost to you, and you'll actually increase your productivity with the customization. Sounded pretty good to me. So then I asked him if his salespeople were out in the field telling that story. He stated, probably not. Then I asked What if you first identified who in the marketplace would appreciate your difference? Then your salespeople were out telling that story over the next 90 days. What would happen? That simple conversation changed his focus from what was not being done to what could be done, the things he could control. The best gift you can give your customers is this conversation. What would have to happen over the next quarter to make you feel good? about your progress.